0: Um. So, we find ourselves in the middle of a series on the Jesus community, what it looks like to be together with Jesus. Um, and because I always need the reminder, half the time I'm like, wait a minute, what have we talked about before? Uh, we have... The nice thing about this uh, about this series, and, and this is completely uh, not planned, uh, but you just have to remember a couple of adjectives and verbs. Um, we started out with the reconciled community, then the divine community, then the trusting community, the found community, the sympathetic community, and the forgiving community. I count on two different hands because... We can see it's, a, it's, a, it's neck and neck here, right? Three, to three. three and three. So uh, gonna who's going to win game seven? It's going to be the adjectives. <laughs> the adjectives pull ahead this week because we are going to talk about how the Jesus community is the hopeful community. The hopeful community. Um, our, our text is going to come from Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 25. Um, but before I get uh, to reading that, I just wanna I just wanna um, make note of the fact that at least to be fair to the verbs, um, the word hope can be both uh, used as a noun and a verb, right? Mm-hmm. Right? You know, so so we can say that hope as a verb, and this is just straight up Merriam Webster because it's free on the internet is uh, to cherish a desire with anticipation, to want something to happen or to be true. Um, or they say to desire with expectation of obtainment or fulfillment, to expect with confidence. Obviously verbs, these are actions, but as a noun, the word hope can be a desire, a desire that's accompanied by that expectation of fulfillment or success, or the someone or something on which you are hoping, right? Mm -hmm. That thing that is desired or hoped for. So we read in Romans 8, remember, a letter to to the church in Rome from the apostle Paul, who has actually never met these people. Let's just be clear of that, right? He's heard of their faith. And he writes in beginning. He, he's he's gone down through this whole thing. Remember, where he's sort of laying out the uh, laying out the case um, that regardless of one's ancestral past, that is to say, whether one is Jewish or not, the kind of the the, the two main groups, as it were, really you divide it that way. The only two groups. Uh, that, that could exist, at least from a Jewish perspective, right? You're either one of us or not. Uh, there's not some third way. But laying out the case that regardless of where one comes from, all find themselves um, in a position of... In a position of... I'm trying to... My brain just faulted out. <laughs> I wanted to say something more than just sin, because that is... Uh, It's a word we know, but it's a word that we sometimes use so frequently, as uh, uh, the great philosopher once said, you say that word so much, I don't think it means what you think it means. Um, But in laying this out, then Paul goes on to talk about, um, because we're all in the same place, we all find the same need uh, for deliverance from God. God. And, and he's going on and on about this. And we get to this, this part in chapter 8 where he starts by saying, I believe that the present suffering is nothing compared to the coming glory that is going to be revealed to us. The whole creation waits breathless with anticipation for the revelation of God's sons and daughters. Creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice. It was the choice of the one who subjected it but in the hope that the creation will be set free from slavery to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of God's children. We know that the whole creation is groaning together and suffering labor pains up until now. And it's not only the creation. We ourselves, who have the spirit as the the first crop of the harvest, also grown inside as we wait to be adopted and for our bodies to be set free. We were saved in hope. If we see what we hope for, that is an hope. Who hopes for what they already see? But if we hope for what we don't see, we wait for it with patience. That's the word of the Lord this morning. Amen. So the Christian community, the Jesus community, is a hopeful community. And by that, I mean to say that it is one that not only verbs hope but nouns it as well it is one that that looks expectantly to the coming glory but that one that is located in that glory itself as well but before we can get to more of hope we have to take a look a bit at uh, the way in which Paul lays things out. Because he says at the very beginning, I believe that the present suffering is nothing compared to the coming glory that is going to be revealed to us. Right? The, the whole middle that I read before is really just an explication of that one sentence. When he says we were saved in hope, he's talking about looking at that coming glory. So what we see is we have present suffering we're going to take a look at. We've got coming glory, and then we're going we're gonna to flesh out a bit more on hope. Um, so I want to take a second and, and look at that word suffering, right? Because in its, in its base meaning— especially uh, the, 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 the term that Paul chooses to use here, it purely means one's experience. The thing that one, uh, it, it, that is happening to, to, to you, to someone else, right? We have, we have come to use it more frequently with a negative connotation, right? But it's kind of like, uh, and my kids will, will, uh, will understand this. When I talk about consequences, Right? There are consequences for your actions. Like, they, they get like, you know, we have this thing, it's like, oh, consequences yeah. are bad things. No, they are purely the result of an action, right? right? Now, again, we tend to load it with a negative meaning, and that's fine. Words are flexible, right? I'm going to, I say this all the time, but people get upset at me. Dictionaries are nothing but descriptive, they don't prescribe what, what words actually mean. Uh, they, they, they take the way that words are used by, people and say, yeah, that gets used. So that's why you get things like, I don't know, literally being described in the, in, you know, in the, uh, in the dictionary as a, as a phrase that doesn't really mean literally. It's just a, 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 a an, not an enhancer. It's, it's a it, intensifier. Thank you. Whoever said that. All right, I you're not gonna. Be a professor, I would imagine. You're not, no, <laughs> I, I don't see any hands, but no. it's okay. You you don't have to. Your humility wow. is uh, is is. I'm jealous. Um, so back, but back to suffering. So so, the, uh, the word simply means one's experience, the thing that one undergoes. Um, uh, just because I'm a word nerd, you guys have to come along with me. You have to suffer my uh, my uh, 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 m- my own thoughts. Um, but uh, we we sometimes talk about pathos, right? You, you know what that we say pathetic, mm-hmm. right? But again, oh man, this is the this is the problem. This is where I go off the rails. <laughs> um, is that um, is it, one who is pathetic is one who is full of emotion, right? We uh, it, so pathos. Um, it's the same reason why um, why you know we talk about Jesus' passion, right? It's that same intense emotion. So when 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 Paul says, uh, "I believe that the present suffering," he's saying, "I believe that the that the present pathos, the present experience." Um, that we are undergoing. Uh, one uh, lexicon uh, put it this way, is that um, this, it, it's, its basic meaning is what a person experiences. Now, it, it does de- designate uh, passion as experienced by force um, and definitely does uh, the New Testament writers use it um, to describe Jesus' experience. But we have to keep in mind that under the influence of later atonement theology and passion piety, the translation "suffering of Christ" was often narrowed to just the physical or spiritual torments. Right when, in fact, you know, when we say um, that, uh, when we say that that, that Jesus suffered. I think it's interesting that sometimes we think it's, it's the undergoing of negative experiences um, that that are part of the way Jesus saves. As if to say that when Jesus experienced positive things, that was not also part of the way that Jesus saves? Yeah, I mean, it's the only way that... Right? the only way... He experienced be- the fullness of what it is to be human. And in both the good and the bad, in the pleasant... And the the negative, it is the, pa- the 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 suffering of Jesus, the personal experience of Jesus as human, that brings salvation. So, I, I in talking about in talking about present suffering, what I think Paul is really just trying to get at is that. There's a distinction between the way in which we currently experience reality and the way in which we will when God finally does what they think, um, uh, what the ultimate goal is. Um, I want to bring up uh, to that end something that our wonderful homegrown Eduardo uh, mentioned last week about forgiveness. Because um, when it comes to experiences, we have, the negativity of an experience oftentimes is determined by what we believe the experience should be. Right? It's the reason why um, someone can undergo um, uh, 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 torture, or or, or severe uh, lack, and still maintain a sense of of serenity. Maintain a sense of trust and faith in the work of God, because it's not that the the experiences aren't difficult, but the narrative to which that person is attached is not that this is hard. It is that this is. Um, and so one of the things that Eduardo said last week in, in, in having to do with forgiveness, and I'm, really, I'm quoting this both because it's good and it helps you remember last week, um, that forgiveness is not the erasure or forgetfulness of the offense committed. It is the unattachment to the shame that comes with it. It is the... It is the act of no longer living as a subject to that act. It is unattaching ourselves from the narrative of hurt, toxicity, and unhealthiness from acts of harm. It's no longer identifying with them, but without deluding ourselves into thinking that the act didn't happen, right? The ability to forgive is, is, is truly grounded in one's ability to step back from the narrative of "I was harmed," and in so doing, we can then see the other person. We can identify with that other person because, quite honestly, uh, we've probably been that person in the exact same way. Remember the parable that that he read of the of the uh, the servant who, um was forgiven a great debt and then went out and, 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 and did not pass that along. So when we think of suffering, what, what I hope we can hear Paul saying is not, is not just that, the, the, that the, the negativity of our current state of being um but just our present experience i believe that our present experience all of it good and bad physical emotional and even spiritual is nothing compared to what's coming and and i guess what 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 really strikes me in that and is that when we only focus on the negative aspect of suffering, we lose sight of how good the good is, right? We, we maybe I shouldn't say we. Maybe I should just say I, and then you all can, can, can agree or disagree with me on your own personal experience. Uh, <laughs> it's a bit presumptuous, I think, to say we. Um, that, 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 I very frequently go through life on autopilot, right? Yeah. That, that there is, when things are normal, I, my brain doesn't do yeah. anything with it. It, it. The human, even just the, the human physiology is so adaptive... Like, I was at the Museum of Science the other day with my boys. And they had this one exhibit where there were two metal plates on, you know, you kind of put them out like this, and there was then one larger one in the middle. And one of these plates was cold, and one of these plates was warm. And you put your hand on and they say, Wait 15 seconds. You just kind of sit there, right? Done. OK. Take them, put them on the center plate which obviously has the same, the plate itself is one temperature, right? But your hands experience two different senses. One hand feels like the plate is hot and the other hand feels like the plate is cold. Why? Because your nerves have normalized to the temperature of the other plates, right? And then you don't pay attention to it, right? It's only when experiences are outside the norms that we generally pay attention to them. Otherwise, we just go and are. But if we hear Paul saying about present suffering, present experiences, and and we think it's not just the bad, but it's the good, what are those experiences? I think it gives us at least a little bit of a nudge to be more attentive to just the day in and day out to be more mindful of what you're doing, what you're thinking. You see, when Paul is talking here, it's not simply a matter of saying, hold on for the good that's coming. He's saying that what is here, though both good and bad, in comparison to what's coming, is, is different. It's different. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that difference in just a second. But I do want to talk about the coming glory for just a moment. Um, because when we hear the word glory, what sort of definitions come to mind? And this is not rhetorical. Fame. Okay. Yep. Light. Light. Yep. Honor. Honor. Uh huh. Joy. Joy. Okay. Radiance. 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 Okay. Yeah. And would it be fair to say that if you kind of took all of those, you could say that the that the general connection between all of them is some sort of otherness, great otherness, right? That if somebody has great fame, that's in comparison to others who are just, you know, normies like us, right? Um, you know, if some, if there's something that is uh, uh, full of light and radiance, that's in comparison to something else which is more dull. Um, and 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 that is, I think, a good way uh, to to come at what what Paul's saying here, because. When the New Testament talks about glory, I think sometimes we get the sense, because it's so tied to, uh, tied to God, mm-hmm. that, um, that it's like something God has and we don't. Right? True. Now, God is a lot of things that we are not. <laughs> Uh, I'm not breaking down walls there. Um, but but uh, one dictionary I was reading through, I thought this was just an, an amazing quote. It says the the New Testament teaching is clearly distinctive, however, on this word, in that it views glory as a divine, and they use the big word eschatological, but it just means the end of things, the, 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 the fulfillment of things, um, the divine fulfillment of the manner of existence. Salvation lies in our having to share in this ultimate reality. Also new, and this was in comparison to earlier uses, uh, is that is the thought that this eschatological ultimate glory will take the believers and the whole creation up into itself by a new creation. <laughs> and transfiguration. It's like Paul says in his second letter to the Corinthians and all of us with unveiled faces seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. And and I think because it's that kind of Meaning that, that Paul is is getting it when he talks about coming glory, a manner of existence, I think that does lend itself a li- uh, lend a little bit of, of, of credence to viewing that suffering like we 've been talking about as not merely just negative things that are happening to us, but the manner of existence, right our current manner of existence here on earth is fundamentally different than that which is coming. Which is to say, being brought up into the very existence of God. So that that distinction, viewing our existence now and looking to our existence then that's where the hope enters. And, and, and Paul's doing this, and he's doing the same kind of, kind, of, kind of double meaning of the word, hope. He gives us both the action of what we do and also the object to which we, we are hoping. I mean, it's even uh, at the beginning of verse 25, 24. Oh, I didn't have my little markers. Um, he says we were saved in hope, not in hope for something. That's not what he says. It was that's that's the sentence. We were saved in hope. That in is a location, right? Um, that 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 hope is itself. Um. A manner of existence, right? That that one may one may call our present suffering. You could say it is a negative experience, but Paul is saying that the Jesus community is a hopeful community. Uh, and and here I'm just going to say, for this reason, <laughs> it's hopeful because hope. <laughs> Is what we're in, yeah. not simply what we do, right? right? It's like um, the air we that, that is brushing over your bodies right now. It's the pews that you're sitting on. It's it's the, the land that w- that we're around. in, location, okay. hope. It is the entire of the entirety of what is around us. Um, I think because as we look back it is not just human individuals that are that are being brought into this coming glory but the entire creation itself right Yeah. the creation waits breathless with anticipation. The creation itself, Paul is saying, is now doing this verb, hoping. And it is also the location that we all exist. So I know, I mean, we've gone through a lot of stuff this year, right? Um, We all, you know, I mean, life had other things going on than just a pandemic, right? I mean, we could say, you know, we all know someone who got sick. We all maybe know someone who didn't make it. And that's on top of all the other uh, present experiences that were... More or less agnostic to the to the larger global scale of things, right? You know, there's there's interpersonal issues, there's uh, job issues, there's good things that happen, but you couldn't celebrate, right? Maybe it was just a phone call or a text. There's there are so many things that we've experienced over the last year that that having the kind of hope that Paul is talking about here buoys us in. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I do want to uh, make strong mention of is that this... Now turning to the verb hope. Christian hope is not a white knuckle kind of hope. It's not a, you know, grit your teeth and bear it kind of hope. Nor is it a toxically positive kind of hope. I think if, if we have a, if we have, um, an issue with hope, I think it's this. Um, it, oh, so what do I mean by toxic positivity? It's definitely a term that has, that has uh, sort of popped up into the, the cultural parlance over the last year or so. Um, but but what, it, what it means more or less is it's, it's the overgeneralization of a happy optimistic state that results in the de- denial minimization, and invalidation of the authentic human emotional experience. Okay. I'm going to say that again. <laughs> I'm going to say it again because I, I think this is a big deal for us. The overgeneralization of a happy optimistic state that results in the denial, minimis- minimalization, and invalidation of the authentic human emotional experience. So, what what toxic positivity is? Um, it's, it's not the positive thinking strategies say that you may learn from a therapist or a psychologist. Um, these uh, those help you work through your emotional experiences and 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 and, and hmm, help you to be present and attentive and mindful. <laughs> Of your states, but I don't I sure have and, and maybe you have as well been the recipient of something like God's in control mm-hmm. it'll all work out for the good mm-hmm. um, you know you must be so strong yeah. that God you know is is allowing this to happen to you God knows that you can handle it mm-hmm. all right. I have strong words for stuff like that that probably shouldn't be said here, because um, that that it's, it's toxic. Denial. It is. It 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 does not allow the the person to whom you're talking. It does not allow them to feel like what I'm currently experiencing is valid. Mm-hmm. That that you know. Again, most, obviously, most of these conversations come in, in uh, negative times. But it, it says, the way you're experiencing this currently, you're just thinking about it wrong, right? Because if you had the right kind of mindset, you'd already know this thing. I know you know these words. So, get it together. Get it Get it together. Toxic positivity um, is violent to the one who is receiving it. And it is it's a safety mechanism and a shield to the one who gives it. Mm-hmm. Because you don't want to enter into that person's experience. Mm-hmm. You just want to offer pleasantries. And that's not from all the other weeks of what we've learned about the Jesus community. That's not Jesus. You ever hear Jesus say things like, it'll be okay? No? You ever hear Jesus say things like, you know, don't worry about it. God's in control, right? No, Jesus, Jesus does things like touching the leper. Right, he doesn't stand away and say, uh, you know, God will heal you at some point. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't shield himself from the ritually impure, the socially impure. You know, if it's if it's a true story, cast the first stone. Right, he sits down with the one who's in pain and enters into it. Jesus was always alive to the present moment. Jesus was always aware of his experiences. And in being aware and being, uh, being mindful of the present, he could see God at work Everywhere. So Christian hope, Christian hope is not is not uh, trite sayings. Christian hope is not white knuckling. Christian hope, when it's the verb is the open-eyed, open-hearted, open-spirited awareness of the present moment. Accepting it for what it is and believing that God is there. Amen. As Paul says at the end of this passage, What is hope? Waiting with patience. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, you're like, oh, that sounds awesome. Thanks for saying that. We wait. What do we wait for? That coming glory. And what is that coming glory? Right. The the experience of the answer as it were to Jesus' prayer in John seventeen, right? And pray that they would be one as you and I are one. I don't think that's a I don't think that's just a a, 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 a statement of saying I, I hope they get along. Right. There's a fundamental fundamental Oneness that that goes beyond just being near people. That's a whole nother talk. That is a whole nother talk. And I almost went there, but I'm I'm saving myself. (laughs) And yes. And you, yes. So, as we think about what it is to be hopeful, as we as we look at our present experience, suffering, and compare it to the coming glory, I want to I want to do one last thing. I want to say, even in even in the text here, Paul gives us some answers as to what as to as to what we can look forward to. He says that the whole creation was subjected to frustration. And what is frustration? Slavery to decay. And what is decay, really? Impermanence. Right? Yeah. Decay is just change. I get... Sorry, I'm, a, I'm super super word nerd. We use decay in a negative connotation, but really, decay is just the change... Right, It is something that then becomes other things. It's an impermanence. It is a transience. And then Paul says, but what is the glorious, what is the coming glory? It's the freedom of God's children. And what is that freedom? Adoption. That drawing into and up into the very manner of existence and being being part of the family and being set free. That adoption sets us free from impermanence, from pain, from slavery to decay. And the Christian hope that this glorious freedom comes comes to the whole of creation right we see this all over the new testament we see we see in colossians 1 talking about jesus you know the 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 great poem the image of the invisible god firstborn of all creation i love that 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 even in this passage uh the writer is, is, is identifying Jesus with creation. For in him, all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of the cross. We get, uh, we get Paul in a narrative saying something very similar for, in Acts 17, for in him we live and move, and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, we too are his offspring. And then I say it all the time, but the, the Christ hymn in Philippians 2, the end, what is the end vision? Therefore God highly honored him and gave him a name above all names, so that at the name of Jesus, everyone in heaven... And on earth and under the earth might bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God, the Father. All things, all people in heaven, on earth, under the Earth, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The entire creation, though once subjected to frustration, subject to decay will be brought into the permanent existence of God's very self. That is our hope. That no longer will there be the negative sufferings. And even no longer will there be the positive ones. Because our very manner... Because our very manner... Of existence will be in God. Amen. Not, I, I, I even think like we we read things like the 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 images in in Revelation where at the end where it's talking about the city coming down and the and the the gates and and, and all the stuff and yeah it's 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 a vision it's an image it's it's metaphorical but. We still hold this distinction like I'm here and, and God's there. I'm, I'm not saying that, that, no, exactly. I'm not saying that we are God. But what I'm saying is that in him, we live and move and have our being. And our present awareness to that fundamentally changes and that if we're being for being entirely honest the the more i think we are aware of our present existence the more able we are to taste in advance mm-hmm. our coming existence mm-hmm. and so that's our hope that is both what we do and where we're at. This little chapel right here is a place of hope. And you take the little chapel with you everywhere you go. And by the way, it was already where you were when you got there. Because God, God's vision and, 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 and hope for the world is that we would, that we would be reconciled, be brought near, and that the entirety of creation would experience freedom and the very life that God has. Let's pray.